I want to welcome you to the third day of our look through Matthew chapter 2. We're learning from some wise men. This is our last day of learning from them about worship. How do I get from where I am to a place of worship each day of my life? And we've talked about four things we need to do. You start with a sincere desire. You develop an expectant spirit. You choose to express joy. You determine to humble yourself. And then there's a fifth thing that you do. And this is the one that's most familiar to us about these wise men. You decide to give gifts. You decide to give gifts. Chapter 11, last half, then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. A lot of us really never practice this part of worship. We have what I sometimes call, when it comes to Christmas, the little drummer boy syndrome. Remember that line in the little drummer boy song, I have no gift to bring that's fit to give my king? I think many people feel like that. God gives gifts to me. God gives great things to me. But what could I give to him? What do you get for the one who made everything? The truth is, you can give him your heart. That's what you give him. You can give him your choice. You can give him your love. You can give him your commitment. What these wise men gave Jesus recognized Jesus for who he really is. That's one of the greatest gifts that you can give Jesus in worship, recognizing him for who he really is. It's the essence of worship. They gave him gold and incense, frankincense and myrrh. They gave him gold. Gold was a gift that was given to kings. When a king was born or when a king was recognized, they would give them gold. So they recognized him as a king. They'd seen this star. They knew that a king was being born. And as you look at these gifts that they gave, everything in the Bible is there not only for the story of their life, but also for the story of what God wants to do in my life. The truth of what God wants to do in my life. Their gifts encourage us to give. And this gift encourages me to give him my best. Give him your best. That's one of the gifts that you can give him. You don't give him your leftovers. You don't give him what's uh, at the tail end of everything. You give him your best. You give him your obedience. You give him a willingness to follow him as the king of your days. That's what it means to worship him. Give him your best. Then they gave him frankincense. They recognized him in giving frankincense as a priest. Frankincense was a perfume that was used in the temple worship and sacrifices. And Jesus became our great high priest. A priest is someone who goes before God as a mediator on behalf of another, a bridge builder, in essence, between man and God. And Jesus is the ultimate bridge builder. He built the bridge through which you and I can have a relationship with God. When you give God gifts, you give him your best, but you know what else you give him? You give him your worst. Because Jesus is our great high priest, you can give him your sin and your guilt. Now, that may sound like a strange gift, But what better way to celebrate who Jesus is than to recognize the wonderful forgiveness that he gave his life for on the cross. Everything that he came to do is recognize when I say, forgive me, when I confess my sins before him. You give him your worst, give him your best. Then they also gave him myrrh. Myrrh recognized him as savior. Myrrh was a gift that was used in the embalming of bodies. And even from the beginning, Jesus is being recognized as someone who's going to give his life for us, give his all for us. And in that, you and I can learn. What do you give to him? You give him your all. Give him your best, give him your worst, give him your all. Jesus gave his all for us. He gave his life for us. So we give our all back to him. What better gift could we give than to give our lives back in service for him? 
to give our hearts back in service for him. When you worship, part of worship is deciding to give gifts. And the gift that you give that's above any other is you give your own heart, you give yourself. Now, you and I, we can see the meaning in these gifts as we look back into it. I don't know that the wise men saw this. They may have, they may not have. The reality is these were probably the most costly things that they could get from their country. So they brought that which cost them something and they gave their all for Jesus. It's not a bad example for us when it comes to worship. How can I give that which cost me something and give my all for Christ today? What would I like to give to Jesus? That's one of the questions of worship. Then there's a sixth thing that these men do that teach us how to worship. You end with an obedient response. That's how worship should end, with an obedient response. In verse 12, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. They met with God. God told them what to do next, and they did it. When you meet with God, whether it's in a church service worshiping him or a daily time of prayer or just walking through the day, you spend some time meeting with God, he will often, not always, but often tell you what to do next. Sometimes he'll just say, hey, just keep doing what you're doing. That's telling you what to do next, by the way. Sometimes he'll say, uh, go in the wrong direction. Sometimes he'll say, I've got a new thing for you to do. Now, the last one is my favorite. I love it when God opens new doors and has new things for us to do. But he can't have a new thing for you to do every day. Many, many days he'll say, keep doing what you're doing. Keep faithful to what you're doing. Keep faithful in that job. Keep faithful to loving those people in your life. Keep faithful to spending time with me. When you meet with God, he often says, here's what I need you to do. Now, here's a question. If I don't do what God said to do, have I truly worshiped? I don't think so. I don't think we've truly worshiped unless we respond. I remember a number of years ago, I was having a quiet time, spending a few minutes with the Lord at the beginning of the day. And as I often do at the end of that, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said something to my mind that really had nothing to do with the verses I'd read that day. He said, I want you to write a note to your dad. My dad, you may have heard in other messages, has suffered with schizophrenia, mental illness all of his life. And we'd had many, many angry exchanges because of that over the years and been estranged from each other because of it for a long time. Every once in a while, though, the Lord would prompt me to write a note. And I would pray out of that note that maybe there would be an open door. Well, I, I wrote the note. And I put that note in the mailbox. And as I did so, I felt a real sense of worship. You often feel that way. When God tells you to do something and you respond, you feel a very deep sense of worship out of that. At least I do. Well, a few days later, I got a letter back and it was filled with anger. The response was not at all what I was looking for. So my, my thought is, of course, okay, God. I mean, you said do this and I ran into an ambush. Why would I even write the letter? Did I hear you wrong? Did you let me down? But then a week later, I got a second letter. And it actually apologized for his anger in the first letter and expressed a willingness to get back into contact. And that has led to years of being in back in contact. That has led to my dad eventually coming to know Christ and beginning to grow in Christ. But it began with this moment of obedience. I didn't understand it first and it didn't seem to work out at first. That's how it often works in my life and all of our lives, I believe, when it comes to obeying God. We don't always understand it at first, and it doesn't seem to always work out in the first place, but God knows what he's doing. God's above and beyond what we can imagine. So you end with this obedient response. And the question I have for your heart, for my heart is, 
What has God told you to do that you're not doing? That's how you worship him. Do that. Or what way has God told you to go that you're not going? That's the way that you worship. You go, you go there. Let's worship him together for a few moments, asking for his strength to do what he calls us to do. Lord, I want to be, we want to be like these wise men. We want to be wise men and wise women when it comes to worship. We want to have a heart for worship. We want to, out of that heart, expect you to meet with us, to have joy in our lives, to humble ourselves before you, give gifts to you. But then, Lord, we do want it to end with obedience, this obedient response. So, Lord, I pray you would develop all of that in us. Help us to act on what you say when we connect with you in worship. What do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? Jesus, we want to worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, join us tomorrow. We're going to continue to learn about this last part, about obedience from the life of Joseph.